TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 497, and I'm Libya, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, this is Tom. I'm professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weednopolis. All right, let's start off with the news. First up, I have that uh, Reggae Jean Page will not be returning for season two of Bridgerton, which is apparently... Uh, the way the books go, because each season is supposed to be about a different sibling. I feel like someone should inform the producers of Bridgerton that we don't care about the rest of the family. So, <laughs> um, I'm out. I mean, like, I'm 100% out. Sorry, guys. Uh, what do you, what, you about to make a comment, Tom? No, I think it's, I think it's short-sighted of them not to put him in at least for cameos. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Just yeah. to keep, you know, women. I bet you. Up. I bet you. When the ratings go down in season two, he will mysteriously show up for season three. <laughs> well, all I the books are about a different sibling, so yeah, I know. Yeah, and and he, he will... they're going with the books, but that's dumb. I mean, that he is literally their their pot of gold in in this show. I mean, this is what people tune in for is yeah. to watch him. And I do so not care I... about the other two brothers at all. I like the other sister a little. But not enough to watch the show. So I I have now checked out of Bridgerton. Sorry, guys. Um, The right stuff on Disney Plus or what is it? Nat Geo? It's Disney Plus. Uh, It's Nat Geo on Disney Plus. Right. Has been canceled Mm -hmm. after season one, which is not surprising at all because all of us watched the pilot and were like, no, thank you. Uh, I watched the whole series. Really? Why? It a little bit more interesting. I'm a space nut. Okay. I was just hoping it would get better, and I was mistaken. I don't understand why they couldn't tell the whole story in one season when the movie does it in one two and a half hour movie. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought it was a a wasted opportunity. All right. HBO Max has greenlit um, a show called Head of the Class, which is a comedy, I believe. Uh, NBC has ordered to series Ordinary Joe, starring James Walk or Wook. Is it Walk or Walk? Walk. I know who he, I know what he looks like, so I know who that is. But uh, CBS has ordered been a more failed series than that's true. Yeah, so <laughs> he's good, but man, yeah. he just doesn't pick the right projects. NBC has ordered not NBC. CBS has ordered Ghost series, which is also a comedy, I believe. Um, to all the boys is getting a spinoff that is in development. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller. only reason I'm missing this pilot is because it's Sarah Michelle Geller. has got a pilot for a YA comedy on Amazon uh, called Hot Pink. And I, I mean, we all know her from Buffy, and that was YA, but I feel like she's out of the YA category now, I would think. But whatever. Uh, Young Sheldon has been renewed for three seasons, and American Gods has been canceled after the third season. Which is not surprising whatsoever. Uh, Tom, not at all. Although they're they're talking about trying to do a wrap up movie. Don't know if that'll actually happen or not. Yeah. What does else? anybody care at this point? Seriously. Uh, out of pure curiosity, but really, it was it was just such a trash fire of a show. It, it was it was you know it had one great season, and then it just com- completely fell apart. Yeah. Are you including the first season as a great season? <laughs> I think that, yes, I think the first season was terrific, but the, as soon as they got into season two, it's like they just started wandering in circles and they started getting rid of cast members. Well, some cast members left out of protest and and others just they didn't know what to do with and it was a mess. So, yeah, it, it, it did not work out well. Now, that is that is like an example of what not to do with a high concept property. Uh, Tom, do you have some news? Yes. Fox has canceled Bless the Hearts after two seasons. It was an animated comedy. Well, That none comedy, of us knew about. 
ahead. The comedy is questionable. Um, uh, Hulu has set a docu series based on the sixteen, the controversial sixteen nineteen project. Dan Stevens, um, who has played, he was the lead on. Um, oh shoot, uh, the Downton X- Abbey. Yeah, Downton Abbey and the uh, the X Men spinoff on Fox, the crazy. Oh, oh um, Legion. He, he is going to take over Army Hammer's part in the Watergate series Gaslit. Okay. To no one's surprise, CBS has ordered two series, CSI Las Vegas. Now, you might be thinking, wasn't the original CSI set in Las Vegas? I was about to say! (laughs) But this is actually going to be called CSI Las Vegas, and William Peterson and, uh, I'm blanking on her name, uh, Georgia Fox from the original CSI show are coming back, as well as all those supporting actors. Because they're desperate for viewers. And they don't have enough criminal procedurals on CBS. <laughs> That's oh. sarcasm. Um, Colin Firth is going to play Michael Peterson in the Staircase Limited series for HBO Max. Jack Rayner has joined Amazon series adaptation of The Peripheral, a William Gibson novel. Um, Naveen Andrews is joining Amanda Seyfried in the Elizabeth Holmes series The Dropout, also at Hulu. And this is kind of interesting for news for you, Libya. The CW's All-American Homecoming backdoor pilot has added six to the cast, including Peyton Alex Smith, formerly of Legacies. Legacies, yes. So. I thought if he was going to leave, he'd at least leave for a leading role. Is he not the lead? Um, we'd, I would presume he was the first person mentioned in the article. So he should be. And the he lead. was also the first picture that they put out in Variety. So I think he's probably going to be, if not the 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 number one, probably number two on the call sheet. Okay, because I was about to say, why would you leave an ensemble show to go to another ensemble show? Because you found out that they're going to couple your love interest with the boring white dude and <laughs> out. <laughs> All right, let's start off with the shows. Uh, first up, we're going to talk Snowpiercer, and it was a two part. Season finale, and as you guys know, I tapped out about halfway through this season because Sean Bean creeps me the heck out. Well, he's a sadist. <laughs> yes, I he's know, and I am creeped out. He's supposed to be I that can't way. figure out if he's a sociopath or a psychopath because a sociopath shouldn't know the difference, and he does know the difference, he just doesn't care. So that makes, so that makes him, him a psychopath, psychopath right? Yeah. I, I, I think he's full-on psychopath. I mean, he does... He, 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 he kills lots of people and he and enjoys, enjoys it. it. And yeah. And, and he plays with his food, you know, I mean, he really loves to torture people psychologically. So I think, I think definitely that falls into the psychopath category, um, as well as being a narcissist with a God complex. That he um, definitely is. He's just a bundle of fun as far as that's concerned. But he's he's great in, in what he does. I mean, he's he's the most interesting villain that, that, that's been on TV, I think, in a while. And he pretty much, for me, woke up Snowpiercer. Because I was, I was just kind of, you know, I was in there for David Diggs. That's why I was watching the show. And other than that, I didn't really have much of an emotional stake in it. It was like, okay. And this year, it just, for me, became must-see TV because Sean Bean just, you know, pulled me in as the villain. And also, because he was so strong as a villain, he allowed other characters to to become more than just bad guys and, and uh, you know, kind of weak bad guys, really. Melanie being number one, uh, we got to see that there was a flip heroic side to her. And Ruth came into her own. I Ruth, mean, Ruth was awesome this season. Ruth I think they made nice. a mistake season one by not establishing that Melanie had positive qualities because she wasn't a very effective villain. No, I mean, she adversary, was adversary. Yes, villain. No, but it might have been it might have been helpful to let us because they're they're trying to get us so against her that when we want to start root when they want us to start rooting for her, it's like. You know, it's like the the train making a hard turn and cars decoupling. Yeah, brace um, for impact. 
But no, but I, I agree with you about adding him to the season. But he's just so... I mean, he puts the vile in evil, the things he does from the, you know, making people cut themselves in the bathtub and then saving them and at the last minute and having them pledge undying fealty to them. And, um, yeah, the whole thing was and, and and just what they did in this particular episode where he's he's got plans for how he's going to, you know, take full control of uh, Snowpiercer. And part of that involves a plan that nobody has been suspecting yet, um, which involves something that happened on Big Alice that uh, was was we only learn about in this episode. We, we know that Big Alice has has like 100 people on it. And what we discover is that they originally had twice that amount until he decided to cull the herd. And he's planning on doing the exact same thing with Snowpiercer. They're, they went and took medical records from, from the, uh, the medical bay. And now they're going through it meticulously to see who is expendable. And, um, you know, of course, we know we're gonna, they're, they're, they're going to start with the tail because that'll, you know, of the rest of the train will be, ha- be okay with all of that. But then they'll start calling, you know, other people, too. And by that time, you know, they're, it's, it just, it'll be too much to stop, um, which I assume is kind of how he, he worked it, you know, when he was on Big Alice. But it's, it's an absolutely horrifying um and you know genocidal plan that it it just it it's it's so evil and in its implications and he he delights so much in dragging people into it because he's chosen certain people that he's he's deciding okay are you going to be one of the chosen ones who get to stay are you going to be one of my close circle are you know or, or am i going to get rid of you now and the first thing he does is, is turn one of the train cards into this bizarre carnival that was uh, just weird that, that was, was so freaky <laughs> he comes out in the carnival like, outfit with the that, that, that old movie hat. something wicked this way comes is calling and thinking hold my beer yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry hold my hold my cotton candy <laughs> and and complete with a puppet show that of course casts melanie as a villainous and dead um and and it just it just goes on and on from there and then this crazy dinner party that he has for for what he's planning to be his potential inner circle and and also people who he just wants to be there just to torture and and uh, you know uh, all of that was just so great and Ruth especially comes into her own because he gives her the opportunity to become head of hospitality if she will announce to the rest of the train that Melanie is dead. Um, and she, she just refuses to do it. And she, she gives up her position and she gets thrown in the back of the train and in, in, into the, uh, the waste management section with Leighton. With Leighton. Yeah. Where the two of them hatched their plan. Yes. The, um, I thought it was a mistake having the Melanie specific episode so far back because we know how this is gonna we know how that portion of the story is gonna end i would have maybe broken that i I can see what they were trying to do but story-wise it's really goofy because that was like episode six and this is these are episodes nine and ten my understanding is that they actually lost her for the rest of the season oh yeah her schedule conflicted and they had to come up with a creative way to deal with it so the, the, I thought that that was actually kind of brilliant. When I realized that that was why they did it, I was like, oh, okay. Well, th- that was kind of clever. Um, but at, at this point, you know, when, we, when they finally bypass her, when all hell breaks loose on the train and part of it, uh, I'm not sure what part uh, Tom made it up to, but um, at the end, uh, Josie gets to finally be Ice Josie and and try out her new superpowers by going out and uh, what what um, Wilford wants her to do is to sabotage the train to his benefit. And of course, she's not going to do that. Instead, she she communicates with, with Ruth and Layton and they manage to decouple the, the back of the train that Layton is a part of and that includes most of the train, really. Well, I mean, my thing is... Getting, 
I have a quick question because instead of you like giving a synopsis of everything that happened, I'd rather overall feel instead of play by play. Okay, well, but the 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 thing is, you know, the 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 effects that they have in the scene where they 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 destroy the um, the aquarium. aquarium car, yeah, is is amazing. It's pretty breathtaking, and the thing just you know first freezes over and then disintegrates, and and that was amazing. So then now they've got the front of the train as like a pirate train, and they're going to go back for Melanie. Um, the thing is, by the time they'd come back, there's no trace of her. And they go to this, to the, uh, the, 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 um, outpost, outpost where she was supposed to be. And it's freezing inside and there's no sign of life. The only thing that they find is that she left a battery going to keep the, the data secure that she collected. And, uh, along with that is a diary that she wrote to her daughter saying, you know, um, I, I, there's not enough for me to survive on here, but I'm leaving this for you, and I can feel you reading this, and I, at least I know that you will all be secure and fine, and I feel good walking into the white, which is the title of the episode. And so the so end she's this, dead? You know, they, well, um, it seems that way, except for the fact that she is apparently still listed and and the producers are very quick to say that she is part of season three. And there's okay. no body. If there's, and there's no, body, no body. That's true. Yeah. So now, I mean, it's possible that she could just be in there, like you know, um, as in flashbacks, or as a, a hallucinatory ghost, the way she was seeing people she was talking to when she was in the in the station. But um, I think that it's more likely that there are other survivors out there. And she ran into them, or they found her, and she's out there perfectly fine now. It's just a matter of her meeting up with the rest of the train. That would be my choice. That that would be my guess. So wrapping it was, up, it, it it was a sol- it was a solid end to a much improved season. So oh, this, much this, improved. This was the sophomore bounce instead of the sophomore slump. Yes, nice. exactly. I think they found their their footing with this particular season. You know, last year I would have told people... All right, people, well, let's move on. Yeah, okay, watch in. But this year I would say people absolutely watch this show. All right, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about The Equalizer. And this is like episode five or six, somewhere in there. And I have to say, as much as I was complaining about the CIA aspect of her versus, you know, being street and saving the little guy... This episode was probably one of the best ones they've done so far. They actually incorporated the daughter and the aunt in a way that was interesting. And the I think also it had to do with the quality of actor that they got to be the person that she's interacting with. It was actually a good actor. And the story really worked. I thoroughly enjoyed the entire episode. Um, I have like nothing negative to say about it at all. And it was mainly... And I also like the scope of it. He was like, I built this key that will unlock anything. And they're like, what do you mean anything? And he's like, anything. And I was like, wow, that had like really huge implications. And I love that moment where her uh, tech guy was like, we should put a bullet in his head. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, just to let you know how serious this is. This is not a guy who advocates violence at all. And for him to be like, yeah, we need to kill him. It's like, okay. <laughs> so the whole episode, and, and that guy was funny. He was charming. He was funny. He was, he was a good actor. Yeah. I, the, the snarky text I forgot to send y'all last week is that young British uh, Mark Ruffalo did is, is good. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he reminded me of the actor who played the uh, the guy on The Nanny. Charles yes, Hannah. yes. Yeah, he reminded me like of a young version of him. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he had, he had that. that kind of vibe. Yeah. Well, yeah. when they reboot the nanny, <laughs> there you go. That, now they know who to cast. But yeah, I thought this was a huge improvement over last week. I mean, last week was just such a disaster area, and this week they got it together. If they can do more like this, they've yeah. got a really good show on their hands. And I and I think it's the CIA aspect that made it better because. It up the stakes. It wasn't yeah. just you know some local person who's in trouble and da da da. 
and she inexplicably is taking it on for no money. I mean, this this was like the CIA hired her to to do a milk run, and it turned out to be far more complicated than right. that, and far more deadly. Um, I mean, we won't get into the, the 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 fact that you know if, if this guy can figure out an algorithm like that, there are other people who yeah. could do the same thing, you know. Um, especially if they know it's possible, then they're going to have people working on it. Um, but still, I, the, the, as, an, uh, as just a, an episode unto itself, it was brilliantly done. I, I love the little twists that they put in it. Um, and and the, uh, just the pacing of the episode and the dialogue in the episode and, and the actress who they had cast, was, it all worked, all worked. I think it's funny that Layla Robbins, who plays the CIA director, is also plays a similar role on The Boys. Oh, yes, yes there you go. Because so, I was like, why do I know her? Part of why yeah. I knew her because I knew she's on uh, The Blacklist, too. Yes. And so I thought Playing I knew her Sort of a similar thing, but evil. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'd say thumbs up this week's Equalizer, yeah? Definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Invincible. And this is a cartoon that Tom told us a little bit about, but none of us have seen. Animated series. <laughs> Animated series. Thank you. And Tom had told us a little bit about it about it last week, but none of us had seen it yet. And I've seen the first four, but Tom, you said you've only seen the first two? Yeah. Allison, have you watched it yet? I've, I've seen all of them. Yeah, me too. So far. So we'll, but we'll talk about the first two because we didn't really talk about the first one. Because she was just like, it's violent. It's bloody. Um, you, didn't talk, you didn't talk about it at all. Right. <laughs> so, okay, so let's start off. It's starring Stephen Yun and J.K. Simmons and Sandra Oh. And it, the premise is, it's basically Superman and his kid. But uh, what if Superman, you know, refused to work with the Justice League? Because they have an obvious Batman and they have an obvious... You know, oh, yeah. Everything obvious is too, yeah. Everything it, obvious, Wonder obvious Woman. flash. Obvious yeah. Flash. So they ha- it's very much okay. Superman refuses to work for the Justice League and he comes from an, a, another planet that's kind of Krypton, but not. And what was cool and is it hasn't exploded yet. It hasn't, yeah. And so they're setting everything up and it seems like a, your standard kind of superhero show until you get to the end where he inexplicably just kills everyone. Like it was so brutal. brutal. Oh my god. Violent way ever. <laughs> oh my god, it was so brutal. And I was just sitting here with my mouth hanging open because I had no idea because if you were watching it for the first forty minutes it seemed like your regular animated superhero show. And then when you got to the big fight scene, I mean he's turning heads backwards, he's ripping stuff people's heads off and it's limbs and it's just like, Oh my god. Yeah, the insides of people are spewing everywhere. Oh. It was it was anime level violence. Oh yeah, it really was. It really was. You know, and, and the thing I think the thing about it was it was how surprising it was because the early part of the episode literally nobody dies. Right. It I felt mean, very GI Joe. Yeah. It was exactly. It was like no matter how many bullets go flying, for some reason, you know, even when you think someone is absolutely going to die here. No, they get saved at the last minute and nobody dies until you get that that bit at the end. And and then it just goes crazy. Nuts. So, <laughs> yeah. But so you, you're really not expecting that. And the conflict for the next few episodes is very much like what the heck happened. This guy who's been a superhero for years, decades been helping out the earth why would he go nuts and kill his allies like what's going on and they at first i thought you know when he woke up from the coma i thought he was not gonna remember i mean he says he doesn't remember but we obviously realize he's lying and so i thought maybe it was like something to control of him for a minute but then you realize no he totally did it and he's lying about it (laughs) all right tom uh, go ahead, you talk, so that we don't go past where you are. No, I thought it was fun. I don't. I don't think Kirkman's a really good storyteller. I mean, it was such just a, such an obvious Justice League ripoff. But and... I think that's kind of the point. So are the boys. The boys is an obvious Justice League ripoff as well. Yeah. Yeah, but it's making an interesting social commentary 
And I, I don't understand why they picked up the animated version of a series they already have. Well, I think I like Steven Yeun as the, the. Oh, no. The, the voice casting is great, especially I'm a big Steven Yeun fan, Sandra Oh as well, and J.K. Simmons as, as the dad. I, th- I thought it was a nice twist, but I, I'm, I'm on the fence on, on whether I want to watch more. I now. think you should. I, I really enjoyed the next two episodes. I mean, I like the mystery of what's going on, and I, I have a theory about it. That's neither confirmed or denied, or but I just this is this is my theory of why he went nuts. So he was acting like a hero for decades, and then his son's power turned on, and like within a couple hours of his son's powers being turned on, he goes nuts and kills everyone. And his behavior with his wife is different. He's acting strange to her, and she's like, "What is happening with you?" And I think... And he's trying to claim PTSD. Yeah, and I think it's it's either he was pretending the whole time to be a good guy, and now that his son has abilities, he doesn't have to pretend anymore. Or his son's abilities, like, activated. Because he talks about, in the first episode, that the people on his planet all leave. Like, they grow up, they're teenagers, and then once they're past puberty... They all go out to different planets to help the world. But I'm wondering, because we know now he's a liar. I'm wondering if when he says help other planets, he means conquer other planets. I was going to say conquer. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) And he's claimed Earth. And now that he has a progeny that's actually as strong as him, he can now have a line. And... Yeah. Well, because in the in the second episode, he has he says something that's I think really at least I'm I'm hoping it's the second episode now that we're talking about it, um where where he's fighting the the aliens who are coming to yeah uh, that was the second episode to right? Earth yeah. yeah yeah and you know they come through this portal and time passes in a different way where where they come from and they keep coming until he finally you know goes through goes through the portal with them and he absolutely devastates their yeah. Absolutely. destroys everything. And when he does it, he says to them, Earth is not yours yours. to conquer. Right. And and that's not, you know, it's not, you can't attack Earth or I am its defender or anything. It's just not yours to conquer. Right. In other words, it's his. So, yeah, I think that 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 is that is what his people do. They they are, you know, they have super abilities and they use them to go out and conquer other planets and earth is his and i think maybe he got distracted because he did fall in love with this woman and and had a child and that wasn't maybe part of the plan but now that the kid has powers too he can go back to you know what he was actually sent there for right that's what i'm but the problem is because somebody was like he's going to train his son to be his you know his heir and i was like yeah but he didn't raise him that way so that's mm-hmm. that's yep. going to be the conflict is he raised him to be a good heroic person because that was what he was pretending to be. And uh, yeah. you can't kind of flip the switch once he's 18 and be like, oh, no, we're bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, he basically raised Clark Kent. Yes. Know, that's yep. the thing. So I, I think that the kids values, I think ultimately it's going to to turn into a fight. Between the father and the son. Absolutely, that's where we're going, and I'm 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 there for it. I want to see it. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. And then the robot, which oh sorry, that's later up. Zachary Quinto. No, I th- well he's in he's in he's, the yes, he's in but the, the twist too. is later. Sorry, sorry, I'm ahead. That, that's later. Yeah, yes, but, the, never but mind. Zachary Quinto does the voice, so that's oh that's why I funny. recognize the voice. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap that up. Uh, I'm giving uh, Invincible a thumbs up. Me too. All right. I'll give it a thumbs up. A severed thumbs up. (laughs) All right. uh, I'm going to let you get next up. We're going to talk generation and I'm going to let you guys talk about it. We're going to talk about episode five and six, which we were supposed to talk about last week and we didn't get around to. So episodes five and six, you guys go forth. What was five about Allison? Five was about um, school being canceled because uh, the fires was, Fire uh, were, were, yeah, it was 
um, creating unbreathable air quality, so they shut the schools down. Um, but apparently it wasn't so unbreathable that they could all go, you know, romping around in their car and, you know, just basically take a day to, to, I mean, to they're teenagers. off and do what they yeah. want to. Because right. they're teenagers, exactly. So um, that was that was kind of, you know, that. And I, um, I'm trying to remember everything else that happened in the episode. It was mostly uh, about bonding and and you know the characters coming together and he's he's trying to pretend that he's together with um oh god what's her name with yeah, that? he's pretending because he is supposed to be bisexual but that's he, true he is he's messing around with his sister's best friend which makes his sister mad well i mean he, he... <laughs> it's like he, he keeps messing with his sister's boyfriend or best friend it's like <laughs> stop messing with your sister's friends that's the moral of the story if you were hetero, you'd still be having those issues. <laughs> yeah, so this, but the thing is, that I think what's mostly behind that, I mean, yeah, he likes her, but it's mostly to pacify his mother, who's having a meltdown that, you know, her son could be gay. Or oh, she's so, in complete denial. Com- yeah, I mean, she's <laughs> like, no, it can't be. So he's, he's, trying, he's trying to just, you know, play to that by having a girlfriend. And uh, so, so that's happening. But and, and at the same time, we have, um, you know, oh God, I keep forgetting the names of all these characters. It's just driving me crazy. Oh, the girls. Um, yeah, the girls. Um, the photographer and, the... and um, Riley. Riley and uh, the Latina, who's into her. Yeah, whose name I can't remember offhand. Greta. Um, uh, Greta, Greta. Greta. Okay, Greta. yeah, because it's it's becoming you know it's it's like Greta refuses to to say anything to her, but I, Chester finally says, you know, this this girl wants to rip your pants off. You know that. <laughs> um, so she starts kind of considering it, and and they start coming together in this episode, which is kind of nice, which is kind of cute. Um, and the thing is that that. Um, the photographer character again, whose name I can't remember. Riley. She's Riley. she just Riley. She has she she says flat out, you know, she doesn't have relationships. She has hookups, and that will come back to bite her later yeah, on in the series. So um, yeah, but that so so that's that's what that episode was. was and then about. episode six. Um, and then that was... the bus trip. The bus trip, right, supposedly to go to the Castro district so they could see Paris is burning. Um, and they never quite make it there. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Tom, what did you and think Steve- of the episode? So you can talk a minute. I, 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 thought, I mean, I, I'm, totally, I'm totally sold on this series. Just the characters and the, the actors are all very well defined. The, the authenticity of having a father-daughter team that created the show. Lena Dunham wrote episode five, and I'm not a fan of her. And I really like the episode. Because when, when her name popped up, it's like, really? <laughs> but um, it's just, boy, as much as, as much as you can see that if Chester was of age, he and Sam might have a possibility the fact that Chester keeps throwing, and at this point, Chester knows that Chester has found Sam's profile on Grinder. Mm-hmm. I think it is. I think it was Grinder, yeah. But Sam doesn't know that's Chester, and but but Chester keeps giving. You know, when Sam's not looking, Chester is giving him looks on the bus. And I'm trying. I'm just thinking, dude, you're a minor. He would get fired and put in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only, I mean, I mean, not only a minor, but he's he is his counselor. So yep. on on two things, I mean, he would be he would absolutely be fired because that's that's you know abusing his authority, and and because he's underage, he end up in prison too. And yeah. Chester isn't stupid, but he's just so you know involved with himself and his own emotions and over him that yeah, he just keeps pursuing him in a way that's really not healthy. At all, and you can tell that this is not going to go into positive places. No, Uh, but as bus trips go, that was not (laughs) you know having spent way too much time in high school and college on buses, that was not an unpleasant half hour with these kids on the bus. 
<laughs> they were lively. They were interesting. They weren't too annoying. They were in, engaging. That was the. I've had worse bus trips. Yes. Yes. All right. So you guys are giving it two thumbs up. Uh, oh, yeah. Next up, we're going to talk about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and it's back from being off for several weeks. And it's so weird because there was such a break that her whole thing about her dad and, and you know, doing the astrological stuff, that was a cool memory. But the fact that she wouldn't tell anybody about it seemed, it seemed weird because, I mean, on one hand, I'm like, yes, I'm kind of over her angst with it about her dad. I was like, can we move on to other stuff? I agree. But the fact that she was trying to hide this from her friends because she felt like she was a burden, I think that was actually, like, that hurt me a little bit. Yeah. But, but for me, it felt kind of realistic, though. It's oh, it did. People, yeah. It's like the sorry, not sorry. It's like, I don't want to be a burden to you, but I am. Well, I mean, she really did genuinely try. She tried to not involve them in what was going on to the detriment of herself. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, the thing is, here's the thing with grief is that, you know, there there is no set time where it's it's going to just suddenly end. And the the thing is, everyone who is if if you have any sense of self-awareness, you have you understand that people who are not you don't want to hear you constantly crying about it even though it's still hurting you inside because it's there's just you know people have their own issues and they can't keep doing this over and over again and so i i think you know that was why she didn't want to share it even though people were still who, who were around her were still willing to to let them you know let her let her feelings out and listen to her and all of that um she felt like she she couldn't do that. She didn't. She didn't want to keep pushing this, and so I. It, it seemed very, very real to me. It did. It did. But I was just hurt for her to be like she kept oh, missing sure. it, and then she ended up with those lame guys. At, you know, <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, these idiots. Um, I would have just like been like, oh, my tire is flat. Sorry, guys, can't go. I wouldn't have gone with them. It would have been better if she'd actually went by herself. Than with those yeah. idiots. Um, but I yeah, did like the did. end. I like the end when they all went together. I thought that was really sweet. Yes. Um, and then, oh, let's talk about the opening of Moe's, Mo and uh, Max's place. Maximo's. What'd you think? <laughs> I thought it was, fu- I was surprised they pulled it off. I thought they telegraphed that the fire chief dude was into Mo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. Because so. he kept he, hanging around, hanging around. Yeah, and, and he was kind of hot, and I was like, he wouldn't bring a semi-hot dude around Mo for no reason. Um, seriously. So I was like, all right, I'm digging it. But I like him I better than that guy that she, because huh? she, she had that guy from the uh, cruise ship. I mean, he was cute, but I felt like not at Mo's level. So yeah. I feel like this dude is at Mo's level at least. I thought it was interesting that, uh, uh, not Simon. Oh, that Max. Max has been reacquainted with his uh, his camp, his childhood crush, right. who who was the dead girl on the killing. On oh, yeah. Okay. I knew she looked really familiar, but I couldn't figure out why. But uh, so obviously she'll be around for at least a few episodes. I was surprised everything went so swimmingly with the opening. Yeah, it was fun. It was cute. They had a couple of numbers. Um, all of that was... I thought all of that went really well. So, What about the brother in the band? I thought that was kind of... Shoot me now. That was so boring. <laughs> I hated it. I hated that whole storyline. You didn't like it? Oh, not at all. One, I, I don't... the brother. I just... I couldn't care less about the band. Yeah, I just thought it was funny. And they're like, you're like old. And you have old. a kid. <laughs> you must be, what, 35? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't really like the kid either, mainly because Zoe's already trying to pick between two really hot guys. What does she need oh, a teenager not, added to the mix for? He, he's not in contention. Yeah. That was just so they could have that her on that drug trip episode. Pretty much. Well, he doesn't but know I, that because he keeps showing up at her house, so he thinks he has yeah, a shot. So I mean, tonight's episode is she's turning 30, so that really, you know, the kid you used to babysit, not appropriate for dating. <laughs> 
So anyway, um, I yeah, the whole band thing. I'm not interested in him or his band. And the brother, I like his wife way more than him. So yeah, mm. no. I like the thing is I like the both of them, but I like them when they're dealing with adult issues. I don't want him, you know, hanging around with this band trying to relive his childhood. Exactly. Or development. Yeah. Yeah. It's that gotcha. that does nothing for me. And I really miss not having Mary Steenburgen in this episode. All right, the mom yeah. wasn't in it. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, overall, it was a good episode, minus the band yep. stuff for me. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the season finale of Resident Alien, which is not the series finale. Ha <laughs> ha! They're already yeah. filming season two. Yay! Yay! So, uh, what did you guys think of the season finale? I mean, it, it, it all the the cliffhanger from last week was what's her name found the body? Which one? What's her name? The bartender. Well, Darcy. So Darcy finds the body in the freezer, tries to bring the... No, what they didn't explain was how Harry knew that the police were coming to move the body. How did he know to move the body from well, the freezer? Well, she probably left the freezer open. First of all, she had to break the lock. Right. And, and then he, she probably left the freezer open. So when he came home, he realized someone's been in here, so he hid the body any way he could. And in this case, it was up in the rafters. Um, how they didn't smell the body at this point, I don't know. But It whatever. was still frozen. Um, I'm assuming it's still frozen. It's okay. We'll go with that. Um, but uh, but it, I, this, was, this was a really uh, a good episode. You know, I mean, I, it maybe didn't do everything that I wanted in it, but it still tied up uh, a number of things that I thought uh, were important while leaving other things open that they can tackle next year. We we have gotten to the and I knew that they were going to have to do this somehow because we can't have a hero in the show that we keep having to worry about. Well, you know, we're rooting for this guy, but he killed someone in the very first episode. Um, so they they of course turned the original Harry into a murderer right. himself, and. Um, so now I have to figure out, well, why did he do that? And I guess that's for season two. Um, but there were things in this episode that I just loved. Like, I, I loved the mayor and his wife bonding over beating up the... Oh, that uh, was FBI. fantastic! That was that fantastic. Was the best. I mean, they were even playing a love song over the scene, and I was like, you have got to be kidding. It was, it was, so, it was so violent and in slow motion and yeah. they were just, they were in a frenzy. They were like, somebody's yep. trying to hurt our child and they both mm. lost their minds, but in a really cool way. I was like, wow, that was, that was pretty awesome. And uh, I like that the kids totally threw that other doctor under the bus. I mean, I got the <laughs> feeling that that other doctor is like a serial killer. We don't know that for sure, but that's the feeling I got. So the, I don't yeah. feel particularly bad that he got kidnapped by the government. Um, but and I think something weird's going on, going on with him. I think, well, the, the original Harry was a killer, so I don't think they're going to go there. But I think he's going to turn out to be some other kind of alien. Some other kind of something. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah. But, oh, the scene that really got me, though, was when, what is the nurse's name? Blanking everybody's name. She comes, uh, Asta. Yeah, Asta. She comes to Harry and says, "I know you killed the other Harry, and you're a terrible person, and we're not friends, and I'm leaving." And he was like in physical pain, and he just started crying, and he was like, "That was just all oh, that got me. That got me in the feels. It totally got me in the feels." Yeah. Um, yes, Alan Alan Tudyk sold that scene. He really did. Yeah. And then they, of course, at the end when they have the big battle, and he's just like casually just knocking people around. Um, there was that great bit where you know they're talking, and he's like, "I will." She's like, "Oh, we're friends." She's like, "So you'll come to my world, and then I'll kill everybody here." She's like, "No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't kill everybody here." And he's like, "Oh, all right," <laughs> you know. And I knew the kid was on board the ship. I knew it oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, there'd have to be some some reason for him to come back again. 
Right. Because it looked too much like he was just going to go home and ah, da, da, everything would be fine. So, but I, but I mean, they just ended it with his, his standard line. This is some bullshit. <laughs> uh, which I thought was great. So well, I'm hoping I, actually like, maybe we'll see his home world. Maybe he'll go all the way home. I kind of want to see I what his home world is. I think that this show has that kind of budget. <laughs> I, uh, I really don't. Yeah, probably right. But, I mean, but I, yeah, it would be it would be really neat, but I don't think so. Um, so yeah, I thought this was a fantastic season finale. Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, like I said, it le- it left certain things open, but uh, fortunately, we are getting a second season, so we'll hopefully get those resolved. Yeah, Alan Tudyk finally has jumped on board a series that's not going to get canceled after the first season. Yay! all right uh next up we're gonna talk about law and order organized crime i believe okay so tom i was intending a hundred percent to watch the premiere of this and i just forgot because i was so i was like i gotta watch the crossover and i like marked it on my i think i set my tivo to record it and everything and then i forgot so Uh. So, so tell me, didn't, didn't no, watch. I just, I generally actually don't watch my TiVo that much. I usually watch streaming. So I just didn't check it is really what happened. So what did you think? Um, I haven't watched SVU in a long Neither time, have I. like since, since before he left. I quit. The episode that Stabler left was the last episode of SVU, SVU that I've seen. He left and I was, I, I checked out. Yeah. So well, what's interesting is this kind of picks up right after. I mean, it deals with the ramifications of that because that was in real time. That was like seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And so and obviously there is unresolved everything between them. <laughs> yeah, because she didn't know but, he was going to leave or something like he just broke. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. He just left. But the, uh, the whole plot of the SVU episode is that. Uh, somebody, somebody, uh, somebody tries to kill his wife and then they figure out, well, he was probably the target, even though they're both cops. And then it's touching. His wife is not a cop. Say what? His wife is not a cop. I thought she was. No, she was a stay at home mom. He had like six kids. Well, a bunch of the kids are in the episode anyway. Um, basically it's touch and go whether she's going to make it or not. They killed her, which I was like, oh, you guys are bold. So they did kill her, and so he wants revenge. Revenge! So <laughs> that, that segues into the, I mean, they almost seamlessly go from the, um, from the, the SVU episode to the organized crime episode, except for you can tell the difference. The shooting style is different, the editing style is different, and there's no chung chung because it's it's kind of a more standard procedural. And Dylan McDermott, as we suspected, is the bad guy. He's and, all, isn't he always uh, a bad guy? Chaz Palantari. Say what? Isn't he always a bad guy? No, he's usually played good guys. He was Bobby on the practice for years and years, which begat Boston Legal. But anyway, it turns out that uh, his wife's death has to do with this, you know... This straight-up mobster dude played by... Uh, well, how about, how about this? Don't tell me everything, because I do intend to watch it. So I don't want to know the very end. But just I'm tell me... Tell you well, just tell... So did you... Was the show uh, organized crime? Like, does it have a feel? Like, it's a it's a different kind of show? Is it a kind of uh, procedural it does, that you... It feels more like a standard procedural than a Law & Order, which is not a bad thing. I was about to say, have... is that a good thing or a bad thing? Okay. It's not a bad thing because, you know, some people might miss the chung chung, <laughs> but it is the same, the same theme music slightly altered because that's the Law & Order way. Yes. But no, I, I, might give, I might give it a try. It's got a good supporting cast and there were some surprises. There, there's a couple of good surprises in the pilot episode. So. Well, I really and like Olivia, Stabler. Stabler's the, the draw for me. So. And, and Olivia does make an, a couple of appearances in the first episode. So they okay. left. They've left the door open for more crossovers, but um, yeah, the big case does not resolve itself. So it seems like it more. It might be more working toward a seasonal arc than a case of the week. I like that. Okay, which is interesting. Yeah, which is not which is a deviation for Law and Order. So, 
All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Mighty Ducks Game Changer, and <laughs> and this was episode two. And Lauren Graham sucks as a uh, hockey coach. coach. <laughs> she is terrible. And we're going to whole... work on passing, but not passing the pucks. We're going to work on talking about our feelings. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, these are not a bunch of corporate guys. Yeah, I was like, this is not a bunch of corporate guys at a retreat and doing trust. She's trying to do trust falls with these kids. And her son <laughs> keeps saying, we have a game on Saturday. What are you doing? And she's like, well, we have to trust each other first. She's like, no, we have... I was like, some of the people can't even skate. And so it's like, let's work on the fundamentals and then the teamwork will come. You know, and so she was like, we're just going to have fun. And I really did like at the end, he was like, do you think, does it look like we had fun? And I was like, mm. well, losing that badly was no, not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> um, not even a little bit. It was humiliating. So, and I think she had to see it to realize that. Yep. Um, she's like, oh, I need to be a coach. Okay. How many episodes do you give it before uh, they get Emilio Estevez to start coaching? Uh, next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really, because he was watching and he was seeing them actually putting in that extra effort. After the game, they went out and started practicing. And he was like, all right. And he knows that she doesn't know what she's doing. He knows. Yeah, that. he does. So I think. And, and he I think, the kid as art. Yeah. And I think by the end of the third episode, he's going to offer to help her. That's my prediction. I mean, this is not a 22-episode show. So, no. <laughs> so they've got to have him start coaching them. And he's got the bug. You saw him out there skating. He's got that bug. He got the bug again. So uh, I did think it was fun when they, go, when they steal the equipment from the lost. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> but what's crazy is the fact that they're lost and found looked like an entire sports. Sporting good story. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> And and so they were just like, wow, you know, so, yeah, they need to break into that more often. So, yeah, I thought that this was a good episode. I really I liked episode two as well. It was fun. And I I was glad it was shorter, too, because they didn't need all that extra real estate to do with their thing. All right. So thumbs up from us. Yes. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And this was episode three. And it took off pretty much where the last episode took off, where they were like, we got to go talk to Zemo. Cut to, they're going to talk to Zemo. And I will have to say, I was not impressed with the actor who played Zemo in Civil War. I thought he was very bland. However, except for Scowl. Right. (laughs) He whined a lot. And he whined a lot. I have to say, I thought he was really charming. In this episode. I mean, he's obviously still a bad guy. And he's obviously playing them because they are pretending to be idiots. Uh, uh, he's not the only one getting played, though. <laughs> or they're, they're not the only ones getting played. Right. And and I yeah. do have to get... If Bucky is playing the longer game that it looks like he's playing by the time you get to the end of the episode. I was like, oh, okay. So he's not oh, as he dumb is. as... He's not as dumb as he was looking. All right. Um, but yeah. Uh, Zemo was super charming. Um, and I liked him in this. I mean, and then that town that they went to, I forgot what the town is called. It's basically oh. their version of Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, it's their fictitious. Madripoor. Yeah, Madripoor. Right. It you. was, it was pretty cool. I mean, they did a good job of showing that low, that low Madripoor is like super seedy. Everybody's in a gang. Uh, like everyone was armed with huge weapons just hanging out on the street. And it seemed like, I was like, yeah, I wouldn't go there. All right. Um, And the fight scene with Bucky just taking those guys out with his mechanical arm was also pretty cool. I'll let you guys talk. Somebody else say something. And the the Agent 13 scene was kind of fun. Her fights, too. Oh, she was great. Yeah. Apparently, this episode was done by the writer of John Woo. John Wick. John Wick. John Wick. Derek Rolstad. Right. Uh, whose birthday is today, shout out. His wife was one of my first film students back in the day. Nice. So, but yeah, so if that's why all the fight scenes look so cool. And they said it was probably why they were a little bloodier than normal. 
What do you mean the normal? Well, for for Disney Plus, like there was a this lot. Whole, of... This whole show is more more edgy than most Disney. I mean, the use of a certain uh, scatological swear word for excrement abounds in this series. Oh, I and there's see. a lot. Of I didn't even notice. Look, look at the Captain America movies; they are not for the, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, Winter Soldier is pretty gun crazy. That's true too, but so far on Disney Plus they haven't had anything quite. Well, I mean the Mandalorian can be violent. That's true, but anyway, I thought this episode was good. Uh, Allison, your thoughts? I I really like this episode. I like like you said. I think all the action scenes were handled incredibly well. One of the things that I I, I I'm you know Daniel Brühl. I like him a lot in a lot of things. I. I don't think he's terribly effective as Baron Zemo. I, I just don't think he's charismatic enough for this particular role. And he's got this sweet little baby face that I don't expect <laughs> anything all that evil from, you know, and I, I don't know. It just doesn't, he doesn't work for me in, in this. He was, be, I agree with you that he was much better in this, in this episode than he was in the movie. But, you know, that's kind of damning with faint praise because I really couldn't stand him in the movie at all. Um, I, ho- I hope he gets that. What if he put a sock was... on his head? No, the, well, he did the, put the a sock on his head for part of it. That like was fine. I think he's much better with the sock on his head. He can keep that. <laughs> That's fine. I, will, they'll, 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 I can maybe take him seriously then. And he was he was really eager to put that sock on his head. So, you know, power to him. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I the one thing that I really, really liked, too, was that they, they also started showing uh, the new Captain America, showing more of his evil side. Um, it's like this guy is so not Steve Rogers. I wouldn't um, say that he was—he's evil yet. He's just not Steve. Morally, he's morally gray. Dicey. Okay. Yes. Um, right. I, he's just—you know—that that 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 scene when they were leaving the prison. It was like you know you are just—I know Steve Rogers and you are no Steve Rogers. Um, it 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 was just—it's like yeah, this is not going to work out well, and. Uh, you know the same thing too when 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 they were showing more of the um, of the, uh, the flag smashers. On the one hand, they start to make you feel uh, closer Sympathy. to them as human yeah. beings, and oh, they want peace, and she wanted to be a teacher, and well, you know, and, and back and forth, and you know, and then they finish up with with blowing up a building with lots of people still stuck in it. Um, so it's, 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 you know, there's, there's this dichotomy of, they may want the right things, but their methodology and their, their lack of, of morality, lack of morals, um, is, uh, is a problem and it's ultimately, you know, going to, to work to defeat them. So Uh, I'd like to talk, I I liked all this episode. I'd like to talk about the end. Yep. I'd like to talk about the end really quick. Which is uh, the white wolf. The white wolf uh, finds mm-hmm. some Como beads. Because when he was picking them up, I was like, <gasps> I had this moment where I literally <laughs> gasped when I saw what he was picking up. And I was like, oh my mm-hmm. God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then he was like, I was wondering when you were get here. And I was like, did they get denied? And they did not get denied. That's no, sad. they did not. Um, they did not get denied. They got her number two. Yes. I mean, and I like yeah. the actress, too. She's She's been on a show uh, on Netflix that I watched, interrog- the German version of Interrogation, and she's great. Um, so I already like that actress, but yes, not deny. So I was a little sad. Yeah, I'm sure but, she was a little busy. But I'm still happy that um, we have her, and that also means to me that Bucky knew that by letting Zemo out, he would have backup. That the Dora Milaje would show up and they'd want Zemo back. And, yes, they do. And so I was re- I was listening to a review and this guy was like, Wakanda's involved. Maybe the scope of this whole mission is bigger than we thought and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, Zemo Whoa. killed the king. That's why they're there. I was like, guys, mm-hmm. pay attention. So it's, this is all about the fact that Zemo killed King T'Chaka. That's right. Yep. And so they only care about, they were fine with Zemo being in jail. But now that he's escaped, they're like, oh, he's ours now. Ours. So, yeah. 
And Bucky delivered the delivered him on a silver platter, on a white wolf shaped silver platter. Yeah, and I think he's his negotiation is going to be like, we need him for maybe a one uh, like a day. Give me twenty four hours, and then he's yours. And maybe they'll let him negotiate that. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how they're going to. They, I'm not sh- like I saw his relationship with uh, what's the nice character? Oh my god. Um. Oh, jeez. Uh, man, I mean, Akoye. Akoye. I was Akoye? like, oh my god, I need to watch Black Panther for the tenth time. Um. <laughs> so I know his relationship with her was actually pretty solid, but I'm not sure how his relationship with uh, this woman is. But oh, I yeah. feel like he. It seemed really naive of him to break Zemo out. I was like, are you kidding me? This guy's gonna try to, and and so knowing that he knew that the Dora Milaje was going to show up meant that... Go ahead. I think he prearranged it with him. I think the whole... I think he set Zemo up. (laughs) I would hope so, because, you know, the trope of the good guy is letting a bad guy out, you know, and and, and expecting him to to not turn on them is is so old and tired that I would would really appreciate that, you know, one of the, the... at least one of the good guys in question was was smart enough to think ahead and and plan no 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 well pleasant, i mean pleasant, not doing that it gives something else for uh for the two of them to fight about well that's true exactly. I, can't I, have enough of that bucky didn't tell sam about his plan and and bucky bucky's going to say well you would have blown it if they had told you right but i also i am i'm okay with whether or not he contact them ahead of time or if he just knew that they would show up. Either way, I'm okay with it because it was included in his plan. So, yay! I'm very. I got. They got to the end and they showed that bit, and I got super excited. And if they had had another episode available, that would hit. I would hit play immediately. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a good ending. I was very happy. All right, so we're saying thumbs up. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. 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 All right, so. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can send them to tvcampfire@gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and sci-fi.radio, Weednopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye! Bye-bye!